Hey friends, it's Jana and Ashley. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Geek Girls Universe Podcast, your home for the latest entertainment and fandom news. Hey friends, welcome back to the Geek Girls Universe. We have been to 1970s London, and it is absolute perfection, darlings. We can't say much else about Cruella the film, but we did have the opportunity to not only interview the filmmakers, but also the legendary Emma Thompson and Emma Stone. Side note, I already loved both of them, especially Emma Thompson, but after this interview, my love has grown exponentially for them both. Before we give you a little behind. They were fabulous. The interaction between them is clearly like friendship level, not just how we acted together in a movie, but they're brilliant. I just mm, love them, love them, love them. Oh, love them. And Emma Thompson making a very nerdy reference at the very end of the interview. I mean, goddess. Just, I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Before we give you a little behind-the-scenes glimpse into the film, spoiler-free, of course, if you're new here or haven't already, we would love it if you would subscribe, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. It helps our podcast reach other geeks and the more the geekier. We also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. You don't need to be a girl to join, only a geek. So where do we start with our fangirling of the Emmas? We could start with, do we want to start with costumes? Do we want to start with scenery? I feel like when you think Cruella, you think outfits. Like, first things first. Mm -hmm. She's a very iconic Mm -hmm. villain, not only because of how villainous she is. I mean, who else is out trying to hurt puppies? But... She's a fashion designer. So we knew the costumes had to be on point for this film, and they are. Like, dear Lord, I'm still, like, they are living rent-free in my mind right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, those, just everything about this film is on fleek. Like, it was the set design, the costumes, the music. The casting, everything about it is perfection. I mean... So perfect. I can't think about a thing that I would change except that I want more. Oh, I mean, please. There has to be a sequel. And I'm not going to give it away, but they could totally make another one with how things worked out. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. but that's what I, I mean. Like, there's nothing wrong with, with, with this one. It's just that I need more. <laughs> right. And I think I, I actually said this in my uh, – we were allowed to talk about it on social media. We were allowed to share our reactions. We cannot, however, review the movie yet, embargoes and all. But, again, like, rent-free in mm-hmm. my mind. I just – it's so good. It's my favorite film I think I've seen this year. And it's one of my favorite mm-hmm favorite live action adaptations actually it might be my I was gonna say my the favorite that's not right <laughs> it's my absolutely it's probably my number one honestly if I think about it of the live action adaptations if it's not my number one it's tied for number one with Beauty and the Beast 
And honestly, yes. it's only tied there because of Dan Stevens' fantastic oh. rendition of Nevermore, like in the castle there. Like that, okay. like, honestly, that's the only reason where I'm kind of like, oh, because uh-huh. I just, well, and it's a Dan Stevens thing, right? Like, I mean, oh, you know yes. how much I love him. We've and gushed about him, him too. Like his, a few times. <laughs> yes. Like, I think that's the only reason why I'm kind of like, oh, like, are you number one? Or are you like, is that one? And like Beauty and the Beast is 1.1? See, for me, I think. 2.9? I don't know even how that works. 2.9. For me, I think Cruella. How does it work? 1.9? I, okay, so I loved Beauty and the Beast as well. I mean, it was phenomenal. But I think Cruella might edge it out. For me, only because out of the Beauty and the Beast cast, Emma Watson was the weak link in her singing. One hundred percent. Her singing was not yeah. on par with and the I rest love of her the as cast. An actress. Exactly. She was fine as no, fine as a, not even close. Yeah, fine as an actress. Her singing did not do it for me. You could tell she was the weak one of that. Mm-hmm. So for Cruella, I think that's where Cruella will edge it out for me. Um, but yeah, so. We obviously, the Emmas, we asked, of course, about costuming, because as we said, it's, you know, it's just phenomenal. And Emma Stone shared that her favorite outfit is the garbage truck dress, which sounds absurd, I know. <laughs> but when you see it, because I don't want to like give too much of that away, because I don't think they've really shown that one. Right. When you see the garbage no. truck dress, you're going to know why. You'll understand. That was her dress. <laughs> and that was her moment of like, yes. I am Cruella DeVille. Like, look at this dress. <laughs> yes. And then you're going to be like, now it all makes sense. Yes. <laughs> and you're going to be like, I'm going to need a garbage truck dress, please. <laughs> um, right. And the it's funny because the costume designer, Jenny Bevan, mentioned that, right? That like New York Fashion Week, right? We'll probably see some garbage truck dresses. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... Brilliant. They, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful dress. Which again, it sounds insane for me to say. Oh yeah, garbage truck dress. Totally beautiful. It's totally beautiful. Trust me. <laughs> when you get to that point in the movie, you're going to be like, oh, Ashley and Jana weren't insane. They were telling the truth. <laughs> I mean, we might be a little insane, but not because of our comment regarding the garbage truck dress. Right. Not the garbage truck dress. <laughs> Has nothing to do with that whatsoever (laughs) overall they had some fantastic looks and you know also without like no spoilers or whatever you see a lot of those just in the trailers and the clips right so you know that if that's what you see there there's just a whole bunch more outfits that you will see that are phenomenal including said garbage truck dress Mm -hmm. the baroness so emma thompson was saying that you know, she she went from usually playing nice women in frocks to an evil woman in frocks. And I just thought that was hysterical because <laughs> only a proper British woman would call them frocks. <laughs> and she loved the frocks, right? She's like, oh, mm-hmm. the frocks, you know. And it's funny because when we see them in these outfits, yeah. especially, so Emma Thompson's Baroness, her style is very asymmetrical. It's very structured. It's very tight (laughs) and you know she shared 
jokingly, I mean, maybe it wasn't a joke. She said that, you know, she had to get her underwear on like a ship's rigging and <laughs> they squeezed her into a corset, like a tube of toothpaste. It was hysterical listening to her describe getting dressed for the Baroness. Just speaking in terms of, you know, what I can remember from theater days, I don't think she's really joking because I didn't have costumes anywhere near that complex. And there's definitely some like rigging of just all the things (laughs) happening in there. And even just think about it like a wedding gown. I mean, you know what it's like trying to go to the bathroom at a wedding gown. There is no going to the bathroom. No, the reason you have a bridal party is basically to hold your dress so you can pee right. on your wedding day. So, like, I mean, that's, uh, let's be clear. That's why you have a bridal party. And the bigger your dress, the bigger your party. I'm pretty sure that's like what the actual formula is. That, that tracks. Uh, yeah, so there's no going to the bathroom. Yeah. There's no eating. We don't eat <laughs> in dresses like that. Nope. And um, yeah, she was joking that it reminded her of Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind when you know, they're pulling that corset on her for the picnic and, you know, women aren't allowed to have appetites because, oh, like that's so unladylike. And Emma Thompson did share that she does not trust people who don't eat. And I don't either. So if you're going to be one of those people that don't eat, don't hang around us because we don't trust you. Word. (laughs) But, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's accurate. So you you kind of touched on the music a little bit. The again, like so, the soundtrack I believe comes out this Friday on like Apple Music and it stuff like that. Does it's I, like it I, <laughs> like I feel like everything I'm going to say about this movie, I'm just like it's phenomenal, it's sensational, it's amazing. The soundtrack was I think I texted you that when I was screening it, and I was like the music. I was so excited about the music and yes. the sound. Yes. Well, and much of it is – no, go ahead. <laughs> We're, like, very excited about this. We keep talking over each other. <laughs> we are. <laughs> We're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, like, in a movie like this where the costuming is so phenomenal and the sets are so grandiose and gorgeous and detailed, like, to have the music also stand out enough that you're remembering it later on, I think that's a feat for a film like this. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, so the soundtrack comes out on the 21st, but, you know, in the trailer, like, you hear some of the songs, which, by the way, are not all in the movie, so, you know, whatever, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. But they had put out a press release, which we had seen, and, you know, you hear it in the movie, but so Florence and the Machine uh, wrote a new song, uh, new, you know, Call Me Cruella version that's featured in the movie, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, but just the music choices in general uh, are, they're not just unique, but they're, they're scattered, but in a way that makes sense. They're, you know, they, they do a really good job of depicting the two, you know, the kind of grifter scene and the high fashion scene and that sort of, juxtaposition between them like there's a lot of you know they just do a really good job of picking songs that really play to the two ends of that spectrum and kind of how the two classes looked at one another and 
you know, there's just a lot of really great music. Like there's some great, you know, just powerful. Um, there's a lot of music that everybody might recognize, even though they don't know why they recognize it. Anybody older than the age of say like 25 or 30 will probably recognize almost every single song, even though some of them are covers, but some of them are the originals. I think the other thing that I thought was pretty impressive is that like for us as a family, you know, we're a range of, uh, you know, four girls and two guys. Clearly the men in my family do not have the same movie and music preferences as the girls, especially when it's three teenage girls and a teenage boy. They all, we all sat down and watched this movie and they all liked it. And the one thing that I thought was particularly interesting is that they all commented on the music, but my husband and son actually really liked the music. And my husband was like, oh, The Doors, oh, Rush. Like they, they noted that there were certain things in there that they were able to pick out and actually appreciate, which I was like, dang, <laughs> Disney, you did a solid, like, it's not very often that they can all sit down and actually just enjoy a movie. Uh, and so, you know, kudos to them because they were like, hey. Yeah, we're not quite as varied. I mean, I have a son and a daughter, um, and they typically will be interested in the same when it comes to a Disney movie. Um, I was a little, I didn't know if my son would be super into it because obviously there's a lot of the fashion aspect, but he loves like that punk rock kind of vibe. He likes electric guitar. So the music was awesome for him. Um, There's a particular scene. Again, I don't want to give anything away, but um, it's right after the dump truck dress. And that just happened to be his Mm -hmm. favorite uh, scene right after that. But he loved it. Like at the end, he was just like, oh man, Cruella is so cool. And I mean, maybe you don't want your kids thinking Cruella is cool, but she is pretty cool. I'm just saying. Dude, she is baller. <laughs> um, I, you know, she used to be my favorite villain and then they've done all these like backstories and, you know, some other villains kind of came along and they were, I don't know, they just felt cooler because he still just had basically cartoon Cruella, but then you did have the Glenn Close version and she was pretty... Uh, Bad. She was phenomenal too. Um, she, oh gosh, she really was. And which, and point of note, you had mentioned the other day to me that Glenn Close had done some coaching of yes Emma Stone for this production, which I think is fantastic because I mean, why not learn from like one of the best Cruellas out there? Right. So if you, um or like, like me, right? So I wasn't alive when the original animated movie came out, but I did grow up watching it. You weren't? What the yeah, heck? you know. I'm so a weird. baby. Me either. <laughs> We're babies. <laughs> um, but I obviously, I grew up watching all Disney animated movies. And when the live action came out in the late 90s, early 2000s, like I, I was a kid and I just, Glenn Close was so, so good. And so... When they mm-hmm. first announced this movie, I mean, obviously I knew Glenn Close wouldn't be playing her, but I was thrilled when I learned she was involved with the project. And now that we've yeah. seen it, you can hear it. You can hear Emma's Cruella mm-hmm. is very much 
Glenn Close's Cruella as far as how she pronounces things, how she kind of like, it's just, oh, just her, um, I'm like blanking on the word, but just like her presence. And it's yeah. interesting with the costuming because obviously if you've seen the live action with Glenn Close, she had very, again, because it's Cruella, right? She's a fashion designer. Her pieces have to be very specific and very out there and big and fantastic. And it's funny because I, from speaking with the costume designer and the hair and makeup, they were very conscious of that. They were conscious of the fact that in 15 to 20 years past this movie, Glenn Close is Cruella. So this character of Cruella had to be believable that eventually she could be that Cruella. And so if you were worried about, you know, I love Glenn Close and I don't know about this. Don't, don't worry. Like not even one bit. Emma Stone is Cruella. She's phenomenal in this role. And she, Oh yeah. No, she is brilliant. Yes. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of the interview were, was when they were discussing the dogs because I mean, they can't be a Cruella movie without dogs. And there's not just Dalmatians Mm -hmm. in this. There's also um, Mm -hmm. um, some other little pups. Yes, which are on Shop (laughs) Disney. So I don't feel like it's a super big spoiler, but there are two other dogs. True. uh, Buddy and Wink. Now, I'm not a little dog fan. I have a Husky. I've had Rottweilers in the past. I just, I don't do the little dog scene. But Wink's a little dog, and he literally stole probably every scene he was in. He was so cute. Oh, my god! And just, like, the personality. And I think just his interaction with Horace, just it just mm-hmm. made the movie. Oh, my goodness. Well, and the juxtaposition of the two of them, right? Because, right. like, Wink is, like, itty-itty-bitty, and Horace is not a petite man. And so it's, <laughs> like, just... The extreme opposites. And and Horace talks to him like he's a baby. You know, oh, he's yes. like, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh, stop it. Yes. <laughs> so the Emma shared that the dogs were always on set and that they used them in as many scenes as they could. Mm-hmm. There is some CGI moments with the dogs, but it's just because they were so sweet. They CGI'd them being more nasty, meaning the Dalmatians. The Dalmatians have yeah. like their moment of like growling and stuff. Um but yeah, and I think they, I'm sure like they, they open their mouths a little and they give them, you know, peanut the, butter. the teeth that you see are probably yeah. more, um, yeah, just making them yeah. look more vicious than they right. are. Uh, but Emma Thompson was joking because, again, like, wink. I'm telling you, when you see it, you're going to know why we're talking about and gushing about wink. Um, but Emma Stone was, <laughs> Emma Stone <laughs> shared that, that she was jealous of wink <laughs> since day one. And Emma Thompson joked that she tried to get Wink fired because Wink was stealing her light and upstaging her, and she just nobody believed the lies that she told on him. Kittled on her. (laughs) Yes. Uh, She's like, he come. I told stories. I said he'd come and whittled on one of my costumes, which, by the way, whittled is hilarious. Just again, that proper British like. And she whittled on my leg and no one believed me. They just knew I was lying and it was a vicious attempt to get rid of this dog. (laughs) I mean, joking. Again, she was joking, but it's hilarious because. 100%. It was, oh my goodness. Wink is just. I was roaring in that interview. Like I was laughing. It's so good that we didn't show 
if you're not asking questions or whatever all of the time on these interviews, your mic is off, like, for these Zoom things. Actually, in some ways, this was brilliant that it wasn't in real life because I probably <laughs> would have been asked to leave the interview room because I would not have been able to stop laughing. The two of them were just... Oh, I know. I was cracking up. I was like, funny. thank goodness I'm muted. And they can't see me, like, crying, the, laughing. <laughs> the face Emma Stone was making when they were talking about, like, getting drunk on Negronis at night, like, <laughs> I just was dying. Yes. Oh, gosh. Emma Thompson was just, like, she was so funny. Just, like, again, going back to the costuming and talking about being corseted because, you know, she has flesh, you know? <laughs> yes. Oh, and then she compared getting um, suited up in her corset and her, like, crazy dresses as, like, a tube of toothpaste. Yes. So, like, you squeeze it in the middle and the flesh pops out and her people would come and, like, push the flesh back in. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was... It was hilarious. And then obviously, uh, so the film set in 1970s London and Emma Thompson grew up during that time and she made this joke about how she was just so old and Emma Stone pipes in and she's like, yes, Tomps, Guinness Book of World Record. You're like the oldest person ever being born in 1959. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. Um, But, you know, for her and as well as some other of the filmmakers that grew up in London during that time, it's like they... It was like walking through their their teenage years, their childhood. Like there was so, it was so cool to them to see the costumes and the the, the footwear and the, and just the vibe, you know. And it was really really well done. Um, yes, those set pieces, though. Gosh, th- we learned that there was a lot of them. Like I, I think she said, mm-hmm. I think our set designer said 120 total. It was a lot. Like, so much so that yeah, whatever I, movie she's currently working on, she's like, I'm not even busy because, like, Cruella set this bar so high of, like, oh, we've got all these sets and moving pieces. And now it's just kind of like, oh, you got 15. That's it. <laughs> Gosh, the the Baroness's home. I mean, all the sets, honestly, are so, so detailed. But when they do the big, like, ball scene, which you see in the trailer when Cruella comes in, it's that dress that's, like, she lights on fire and all of a sudden she's in this beautiful red uh, yeah. dress. That scene, it's almost like the camera was on a 360 swivel. So there's just detail in every little corner mm-hmm. of the shot. Like I need to, I want to go back and kind of just watch it in like slow motion and pause it just to see what I miss because, you know, like we know the flowers were handcrafted and there was a cake and just there's so many details because they were very aware that the way they were going to shoot this was that everything was going to be seen. So there could not be like a blank dead space. Everything had to be pristine. That was an interesting thing too. And she, yes, the Fiona was saying when they designed it, they knew that it was going to be a 360 um, scene and not all of the scenes were, but that particular one, was going to be 360. And that was one of their um, practical sets where it was not just a stage. So that whole room was filled with everything. Um, unlike the stuff at some of the uh, studios where they had, was it seven stages at the studio that they had? Um, and so then those wouldn't be 360, right? Because they have, you know, a backdrop or whatever. Right. But the, you know, in this instance, it was, the entire thing up at the 
Hellman Hill House or yes, Hellman Hill. Uh, and but yeah, the detail that goes into that. And she was, yeah, so she was saying the handmade flowers. And I, yeah, I agree. It'd be fun to go back and kind of look at what was in, you know, some of the detail that was included. And they were saying that the cake, they made two cakes and they only used one for that shot. Yeah. So there's a shot and you'll know it when you see it with the cake. Just imagine it's a decadent ball. So the cake is not like your sheet cake from Costco. It's, it's no. equally as decadent. Think wedding cake. Yes. Massive, like over-the-top yeah. wedding cake. Think that. And then just there's a scene yeah. with it, and they got it in one take. It appears like it would be a complex <laughs> – yeah, and it appears like it would be a complex shot. Yep. But they got it in one take, so that's awesome. Because <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. like, being the, the set designer or being the cake maker and just being, like, sweating to death. Oh, on the side, like, please get this, please get this, please get this. Right? I only made two. Yep. Biting my nails off. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and then some of those, too, they were saying, like, they had one day on set. because, And there were, what, 44 additional locations besides the studio that they filmed on mm-hmm. in what was that a span of 40 days like that's insane to me yes they it was a really tight filming they schedule. definitely all of them um impressed on us the fact that this was a very busy set like there's a lot of moving pieces and just it was a testament of like how amazing the filmmakers and the cast were that it worked because you know I haven't done TV or movies, but yeah, I have a theater background as well. And just moving pieces on a one stage is, can be complicated if somebody doesn't do their job, you know, like it's very obvious. So for this to just be pulled off and it's gorgeous. I'm just like, again, like here I am. I'm just like, it was so great. It was so good. I'm running out of adjectives. It was, (laughs) it's a great movie. Oh, it is spectacular. <laughs> there are no lies. No lies. No lies. No, none. Well, and one of the other things that I thought was interesting is that they shot with a mix of 35 millimeter and 65 millimeter mm-hmm. film um, to really kind of highlight that clash between the um, high society and the grifters. And I thought that was a really interesting choice. And they didn't really talk about it at all during the interview that we did with them. But uh, I was hoping somewhere, like one of the bigger outlets will have covered that and we can read more about it. Because I think that was a really um, fascinating choice in terms of, you know, really kind of getting like the gritty uh, grifter, you know, kind of punk rock style versus the, you know, crisper, high society fashion look um, capture. Yeah. That was definitely, it's it's very interesting. And again, it it adds that layer of depth um, to the story. It does. Oh, it does for sure. And so what I also liked is that um, Craig Gillespie is the director of Cruella and he's done other, movies like I, Tanya. He's currently working on Pam and Tommy with uh, Sebastian Stan. And 
he actually enjoys doing villain movie. So like Tanya Harding has been a villain for a long time, ever since that attack. But he likes the idea of being able to play around with villains and kind of share another aspect of their story that's not always Mm -hmm. seen. So, and he discussed how fun it is to work with a villain because you have a lot of room to kind of play around and push boundaries that you don't get with heroes, right? The hero has to be good. Absolutely. (laughs) But the villain can be and he was like, no pun intended. I didn't want it to be black and white. He's like, I wanted her to have some gray area <laughs> <He did. laughs> where you find yourself kind of sympathizing with her and seeing where where it all mm-hmm. came from. And well, yeah, I was no, going to go say that was actually one of my concerns about Cruella because of Maleficent. Because Maleficent, they right. gave her, they made her too sympathetic. Like, I'm not a fan of a villain that's not a villain. Mm-hmm. You can give them a complicated backstory. You can make them not as evil as you might think. Like, oh, there's a reason they're evil, but they need to still be evil in the end, right? For me. Mm-hmm. So I was a little concerned that, I mean, from the trailers, once I saw the trailers, I was like, okay, Corella looks like she's, she's mad, which is great because she should be. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he definitely did not shy away from the fact that Corella is mad. But we know how she got there. No. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Yes. I was going to say along the lines of pushing boundaries, like, so most of his work does tend to be kind of edgy. And he, I think, often deals with topics and subjects that, you know, and along the lines of like the villain thing are not things that a lot of filmmakers tend to take on, or he does things that I'm guessing other filmmakers may actually pass on. Um, but in, and I don't remember who said it in our interview, but they described the film as deliciously dark. And I was like, that is a perfect description because this, I mean, the movie is intoxicating and it is, it's kind of juicy too. If you think about it, it's a little, it's it's edgy and it's so good and honestly it's probably the darkest Disney thing I've ever seen outside of maybe some of the like fifties and sixties weird animated stuff that maybe required some illicit substances to really appreciate where they were coming mm-hmm. from. Emma Emma Stone but remarked this, on that on the darkness how she was uh-huh. you know she was kind of surprised that Disney went dark but that they really they let. Um, the director and the writers really go and make what they wanted to make. And although it's dark for a Disney movie, it's not like dark, dark. Like, oh gosh. if yeah, you're like right, hearing right. this and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. my kids. I mean, it is PG-13. <laughs> no. um, yeah, dark for a Disney movie, <laughs> nobody gets slaughtered. It's not that Right, kind of dark. so <laughs> if your kids have seen like the Marvel films, like this is actually toned down as far as like any type of violence. Yeah. It's just that, you know, she's a villain and we all know that she like, you know, does villainy things. So, but yeah, it's definitely, yes, deliciously dark. I do remember that. And I loved that, mm-hmm. that term. I was like, it's a brilliant quote. Yes. And also like, you know, in talking about dark, the cinematography itself is dark, right? Like, so you have the the whole grifter punk scene is very like toned down, dark sepia kind of muted tones. Mm-hmm. Whereas the high society fashion stuff is a little bit brighter, um, you know? And so 
in talking about just the term dark in general, that aspect of the film is just darker. But but that. it's not dark like I can't see what's happening because this is a CGI mess. No, dark. no, no, not at all. It's just it's just but you can you can see the two sort of color palettes playing against. Oh, one for another sure. For Each effect. scene. Each like big event has a very specific color palette. So if you're a nerd like that and you're, mm-hmm. you're interested in in the play between the colors and the lighting and all that, you'll definitely notice yes. the palette changes for location per yes. um, event. And the evolution of Estella to Cruella as she kind of changes from her not as mad to her a little bit more mad to her a lot of mad also kind of follows a color palette. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Emma Stone remarked that, you know, obviously Estella is super sweet, but there's something about Cruella that's enticing. Uh, mm-hmm. she's, you know, Cruella is who she is. And it's just that freedom in that, right? That's There's a freedom to knowing what you are, who you are, and living your truth. Not that, again, she kind of makes notes. She's like, not that I like would call her a role model, you know, not that I aspire to be like her. But she's like, to be honest, I sort of prefer Cruella, like, out of the two, which is just so fun. I mean, I think you and I can speak to that, too, just even, you know, whether you want to talk about it in terms of, like, our industry or whatever. But, like, we're both pretty just open people about no garbage when it comes to everything the people we're friends <laughs> with or the things that we do yeah. right like I mean there's a and there is a freedom in that of yes. just being like I am what I am and you you take it or you leave it yes agreed total freedom in that it's easier to just be who you are than pretend to be somebody else and Corella clearly sees that clearly it's almost like this movie it's it's her accepting herself Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So I think we don't want to, we want you to like, you know, we're going to have links for you that has the complete interviews from both uh, the Emmas and the filmmakers so that you can kind of get into yeah. that. And, um, but to end on it. And it's all based on free because we don't want, right. any, we don't want to ruin anything for you. Like this movie is so incredible. Yes. We want you to be able to enjoy it and go and not feel like we, you know, gave anything away or spoiled anything. We want you to go in and be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. They were so right. <laughs> and if you hate it, let us know, too, because we want to know why you didn't like yes, it. Yes, because that I just I can't even imagine um, someone saying they hate it. Uh, so so exactly. the tickets for Corella are on sale now. You can see it in theaters May 28th. Or on Disney Plus Premier Access. And yeah, so again, we highly recommend it. Our reviews for the actual film will be up on May 26th on our sites, um, whiskeyandsunshine.com mm-hmm. and with ashleyandco.com. Of course, we'll also share to Twitter and our Facebook page, wherever you want to find it. And if you follow us on social, especially our Instagram handles, you'll probably see some fun outfits. Oh, I, I can't wait put together. to share those. Yes. yes. Um, I'm yes. still cleaning stuff out of my pores. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, glitter. 
It's forever, just like sprinkles. You know those Tom and Jerry sprinkles? I had to move a shelf the other day. You'll never guess what I found in the floorboards of our hardwood floor. I can, because every time I like get near that area where we worked on that cake, I find something. So I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> sprinkles? It was like four months ago. Oh, my yes. goodness. But yes, I'm super excited for both of us to share our fun social media real tiktok stuff it was worth it that's all i'm gonna say my it was totally i'm sure it was worth it i can't wait we're gonna do mine this weekend yes all my pieces are in so Mm -hmm. cannot wait to see it thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the geek girls universe podcast join us next time as we share all of the exciting fandom news for you and as always, if you see anything you want to share with us, tag us on Twitter at Whiskey and Sunshine and that Ashley Aaron. Until next time, geek. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more geeky goodness.